recognizing the different roles that we play in a day or even in the space of half an hour sometimes is really important and focusing on okay so I'm in the role of mum at the moment what's important to me about that role how do I want to be with my children and then maybe stepping away and saying okay I'm starting work now how do I want to be in this role and then there's a really crucial bit about well actually how do you find the space to be yourself Hello and welcome to Voices with Talking Talent, the podcast that explores the real issues people face in the workplace. This is a space to have the open and brave conversations that inspire change and spark action. We're Talking Talent, and every week we'll be joined by a different guest. Stay tuned for discussions on the issues that business leaders are trying to overcome and what the future looks like for truly diverse and inclusive organizations. I'm Lucinda Quigley, Head of Working Parents and Executive Coach at Talking Talent. And hi everyone, I'm Laura David, I'm an NHS GP in London and I'm the founder of Smart About Health. This podcast is all about helping you tackle the challenging areas and taboo areas of health and well-being in the workplace. And it's produced by Talking Talent in partnership with Smart About Health. Welcome to our podcast today, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about the subject of parental anxiety. Let's start off with looking at that subject and what do we mean by parental anxiety, Laura? Tell us a little bit about it. I think what we're talking about here is anxiety, and then we're thinking about it specifically to a group of people, parents. Anxiety is very much a normal experience, we're going to talk about that a bit more, but it's got components to it that people may feel uncomfortable to it. So there's a physiological, a cognitive, and a behavioral aspect, and that's where CBT kind of comes in. Thinking about physiological events to a threat or perceived threat, when we talk about anxiety, we're thinking about how does it feel in the body? So we're thinking about raised heart rate or what we call palpitation. Some people experience breathlessness or feeling like they can't quite catch their breath. Some people experience chest pain, which is often seen as part of a panic attack, which we can talk about a bit more afterwards. But there are lots of physiological events. Some people experience pins and needles, uh, feeling lightheaded, feeling dizzy, feeling sick. These are all the physical changes that happen when we have a perceived threat. Then we've got the cognitive aspect of the thoughts, what's going on for us in our mind. And that often is negative thinking, thinking about this is going to be a disaster, what's going to happen. You can't necessarily get the clarity to find the solution in that state of anxiety. And it may lead to some of the behavioral aspects, such as avoidance, avoidance of that Mm -hmm. situation. And that's can perpetuate the situation because by avoiding it, you're not necessarily dealing with the fear. But in the sense that anxiety is normal, this kind of reaction, this fight, flight and freeze response is essential to our survival. When we were in the caveman era, you know, we, we may have been threatened by, by an animal, or something, something trying to eat us or attack us. And we need that anxiety to actually be able to function, be well and be able to stay alive. Anxiety related to parents, and I can really relate to this, being a parent of two young children. Um, two. Exactly. You know, we're, we're right here with everybody listening. Is that specifically those anxieties may be related to what's going on for you as a family, what's going on for you in your complex lives, managing and balancing all those plates spinning up in the air, waiting for one of them to crash down and the anticipation of that. And thinking about all of the needs that you have as parents 
and how that and how that may be conflicting internally as well. But lots of that anxiety may be present for you as a parent, but it may also be anxiety around your children. How are they doing? Are they doing well at school? You know, am I going to be able to drop them off on time? Did I forget their water bottle today or I forgot to give them a snack? Lots of these things can trigger parental anxiety. And then also thinking about other strains and stresses of parents that may be around them being part of this sandwich generation, that some of that parental anxiety may be about your parents or your relatives. You know, what's, what, what's going on for them? Perhaps people in this position might be a carer or maybe have a, an ill parent. There's a whole load of issues that can come up for parents that may influence anxiety. Yeah, and I think that's the important bit, isn't it, about this piece around parental anxiety. And I know why you and I were so keen to discuss this topic, because we have both been experienced it or, you know, experiencing it, experience it. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. And I think you have, you know, listed several of the reasons why, one, it's normal to feel and a little bit later on, we'll be talking about how you can maybe manage some of these symptoms or, you know, kind of behaviours to feel a little bit more empowered, I think, which, you know, certainly I know for me was really, really helpful. Let's just talk a little bit about, you know, why is it important now, do we think, to talk about parental anxiety? From my angle, and, you know, obviously you want to hear from you, Lucinda, as well with your coaches and in your life, but Parents have had a difficult time during the pandemic. And I'm not saying that they're exclusive to any other groups. Everyone's had their own set of issues. And as a working parent, you know, I've really felt some strains that parents are, are under and pressures. But before I talk about that, I just want to reflect that, of course, there's been really good things as well that have come out of this pandemic and, and working at home and, of course, now going into a hybrid way of working. And, and much of that can be around time that you have been able to spend with your family that you may not have been able to to achieve when you were in the office every single day and lots of our clients have reflected that you know that piece where you know, they're now having to leave leave children or, you know take them to school and go into the office change feels difficult for a lot of people it's not necessarily a bad thing it's probably a good thing but actually there's been lots of positive things that we've been able to do to get to know our children more as parents and spend more time with them. And certainly, if we're talking about it generally, you know, dads have, have actually been able to spend more time with their children and be more involved. So there's been some benefits to the family unit. However, this blurring of home and work life has been difficult um, for many, many people and you separating what's going on at work and what's going on at home and particularly when parents were homeschooling, that was a very difficult period of time. And I think that has just added to a lot of anxiety. And of course, we're all anxious about our children missing, missing out on school, but all of the different pressures that have changed and are now changing again as we go into hybrid working can make us feel more anxious. So I think this is a really important piece about why parental anxiety is such an important subject that we feel able to talk about and we normalise. What about from your experience, Lucinda? Yeah, I think I agree with everything you said. And I think, you know, there's 
hybrid working and you know there have been lots of benefits but I think also one of the issues with hybrid working for a lot of parents is it's that it you know it's that then that question of choice and are they making the right choices in terms of you know they're sort of being given all of this freedom to make a decision about what's best for them but then do they always know that that is being viewed as the best thing for them by their employer for their career and it's that constant juggle I think for you know working parents particularly around are they doing the best for their family are they doing the best for their career which is still really important to them and then of course what happens is that the best for themselves as individuals gets pushed a little bit further down the pile and you know their their actually ability to see that they're not managing their mental health and you know their levels of stress which then lead to anxiety are just not being seen I think you know for me there's another thing to consider particularly in the arena that we're in now around social media as well and I think for parents in particular things like you know I mean don't get me wrong, you know, I'm a a big fan of going into the scroll hole of Instagram. But, you know, that can also add pressures that maybe we wouldn't have had in the past around, you know, being a perfect parent, having a perfect house, having a perfect outfit. And all of that is also distracting from all of the other things that we're trying to achieve in a day. Ultimately, the reality for parents now is that the pressures that they're experiencing of having to achieve so much in one single day are phenomenal. And I think it's that lack of space and time to think about what actually is important to them. And I know we're going to talk about some, you know, some of this later, but I think the lack of space and time to think about what's important to them is really what's kind of feeding some of this anxiety. I think with my coaches, what I'm definitely seeing is that you know for parents who are going off to have children there are still lots of concerns around actually what kind of world are they bringing them into you know and and how are they making the right choices for them and of course you know there's still some underlying concerns around what the experience might be like currently I think for parents returning to work I'm seeing a lot of separation anxiety at the moment and I know this is something that you've mentioned to me as well but there's you know if you imagine parents have been you know, really kind of not being able to leave their children because of COVID and now they're having to, but also they can't settle their children still into nursery or into childcare settings in the same way. So that I think is, is really affecting people. And just generally, people have had to deal with a lot. And I think, you know, it's really important for me when I'm coaching people to help them realize that, as you say, anxiety is a really normal feeling to have, but it's knowing and noticing when it might be holding you back from things and stopping you stopping you doing things I think also feeling empowered as someone who's you know experiences anxiety feeling empowered to know what you can do about it which you know hopefully we can talk a little bit about today I I mentioned the normalizing side of things in your opinion how do people know whether it's normal or not what are your thoughts I think really it comes down to as you said how how much it affects your daily life and your daily function and what you're trying to achieve. Some anxiety is normal, exactly how we said it. And and, there's there's going to be periods of everyone's day that they go through some anxiety provoking experiences and it can actually help with performance. It can actually help with output um, and help you with clarity of thought if if it's in sort of small doses. And I think the issue is really around the chronicity of the anxiety. So how that underlying level of of heightened, just slightly heightened level of anxiety that's always undulating, is always there. That can cause some issues because what it means is our thresholds can be reduced for things like overwhelm, not being able to cope, not being able to take on new pressures. And then thinking about you know, where there is 
very long or prolonged periods of high stress and high anxiety. And there doesn't seem to be that break at the end of it. There doesn't seem to be any let up in the future. That's when people can, can really burn out. They can go through a lot of physical and mental and emotional changes that mean that their reserves are really, really low and they, they don't have anything to fall back on. So I think a lot of it's around the length of time and all the, the undulating pressures and that there may be that sensation that I can't ever relax. I've never got any time for myself. You know, and if I do put time in for myself, what am I sacrificing? That's often yes. up a lot of the time. And, you know, a lot of the shoulds as well, isn't there? A lot like, of the I shoulds. should be doing this or I should, exactly. I should have done that. Because there's the term, isn't there, um, high functioning anxiety and I think that's what you're talking about isn't it so people who kind of live day to day but on a sort of certain or always sort of feeling slightly anxious yes always on always under pressure that and and as I said before it can really some anxiety can really help with performance and if there is a performance curve it's it's basically a bell curve and you know where you are in the middle is you've got a good amount of anxiety pressure uh, and pressure and stress and you've also got good output and as you go down the bell curve on the end you're entering the harmful levels of anxiety and Mm -hmm. the effects that that has physically and mentally on your body and on your mind and I think what you were talking about before I really loved uh, loved that and I want to pick up on that social media piece where you know that is what potentially is also contributing to our undulating levels of pressure and stress or how are we supposed to be perceived you know we're supposed to be able to hold all those plates up in the air let them spin and not drop in and actually everything's going on for us you know we may feel there are some barriers to really bringing our authentic self what's going on with with us to our workplace to our friends to our colleagues social media is certainly contributing to that and the reality is that you know okay great we might have a nice top on but really down here you know I'm covered in this morning's breakfast uh, there's a few stains there and you know actually nobody's going to see it so I'm, I'm not going to show anyone but what do you see you see uh, you know somebody else and we've got that whole concept of the good enough parent that we, mm. I know we've talked about before and thinking about what's good enough for you and how do you bring in all the elements of your life that you want to to do well in but do you have to excel in all of them you know there's going to be some that you can excel in and some that you can feel it's good enough okay you know maybe for my daughter's snack I didn't cut up five different varieties of fruit and put them in a box and you know label it and do all these things I just put an apple in her bag and that's okay she's still getting a nutritious snack and you know she's not complaining so so why should I cut up all that fruit I think you know there's so many things that we feel pressured about mm. that may be external but having that reflective practice to think about what do I need what do I want what do I want to achieve that can be helpful in managing anxiety we, we can talk about other yeah. ways as well and so we, we talked about normalizing haven't we and yeah. as we've both said we've both had experiences with anxiety I know that you're happy to kind of talk about your experiences so tell us a little bit about what what you've been going through yeah I mean I just count myself as you know, somebody who's a regular human being that, you know, goes through the stresses and strains of life. And sometimes I feel like 
they're overwhelming and that and that's probably because I've also got this underlying level of pressure and stress that's, that's taking up that bottom quarter of my of my stress bucket how I like I'd like to call it and it means that I can't get to the reserves that easily sometimes my stress bucket is overflowing and you know I've got to find ways that I can try and deal with it and I don't always have the answers I even as a doctor I don't have all the solutions and certainly it doesn't always translate to your own lives and I suppose that also is something to reflect on for other people is that they may have a role that they're trying to do and fulfill it doesn't mean we always have all the answers and you know I I do see a therapist I'm very open to say that in many of our our meetings and our sessions because I want people to realize that one having therapy or having somebody to talk to a professional to talk to an impartial individual in your life can be a really good thing as we invest in our physical health hopefully we do of A lot of people have neglected their physical health as well as their mental health, particularly during the pandemic. But as we might have a personal trainer, we might see a chiropractor or an osteopath if we've got back pain. We might see a physiotherapist. We also might need something for our mind and something to help manage our daily stress. And I don't have all the answers. I know that. So I need to speak to somebody. And it's for me, it's partly preventative because it's an investment in my in my mental well-being and my mental health and it's also something that if I'm having a problem I can try I can have somebody that can take me through some of the solutions I mean the other day I was completely overwhelmed I would say my stress bucket was definitely overflowing because I couldn't find a parking space near the school and and I drove round and round and round and I could feel myself getting panicked I was sweating I was feeling unwell you know I was sending my husband voice messages you know obviously safely through the car uh, system you know saying I can't cope what am I going to do and you know I feel felt completely panicked and and I had also had my two kids in the back which I felt really guilty about Mm. you know we can talk about parental guilt but you know I felt like I'm letting them down one because my daughter's going to be late for school but also because you know what kind of behavior is she seeing from me and you know part of me felt like you know it's okay for children to see some stress in their in their adults but also we do have a responsibility to to try and process our own stress so that we can be role models for our yeah that role modeling piece is is really important isn't it absolutely you know and and I think but I think it's okay for parents to be emotional to show their emotions you know when I dropped my daughter off on her first day of school in year two you know not even in reception I was bawling my eyes out walking around the corner she didn't see me cry I managed to hold it back but I I do think it's okay to show some emotions and to constructively express what's going on for you to your children so that they can have a voice around their emotions too you talked about separation anxiety absolutely huge conflict for parents at the moment it's normal it's normal for your child to not want to separate from you especially since they've been at home um, potentially more than they would have before. If you've got a new ba- if you've got a, a baby that you're settling into nursery, they will potentially not want to leave you. And this is part of the attachment neurodevelopmental theory that it's normal that a baby would cry when they leave their mother or be distressed. And that's so heartbreaking for us as parents. So we've got our separation anxiety that we, we don't want to separate from our child. We might not want to separate from our home we're going back into the office for hybrid working. We've also got the child's separation anxiety. There are things you can do to ease that. But I think the main thing is that I want to say is that it, it's it's okay to admit that you are sometimes overwhelmed with anxiety. Mm-hmm. And to be able to speak to somebody 
might not necessarily always be a professional, to try and find your way through and find what works for you. And if it is a professional, there should be no shame or stigma in, in seeing that person because what you're doing is investing in your mental well-being and your mental health. I know you've you've had some experiences as well, Lucinda, and I suppose it's nice for people to hear from two professionals here that it's okay to experience yeah. anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think, I, I mean, I have also had therapy, but I also think, you know, we, we it's important to acknowledge that therapy isn't accessible for everybody, yeah. is it? And we're going to talk a little bit later in the in the podcast just around some things that you can do for yourself to start managing it. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, being really kind of explicit about it, I think my anxiety has definitely actually only really appeared since I've become a parent as it's mm. definitely linked to being a parent. My son has a peanut allergy and I think that was a really big trigger for it. And I've learned to cope with it in a way, but I also know what my triggers are. So for example, if he's going to a birthday party, he's seven now. So if he's going to a birthday party without me or a friend's house, it triggers my anxiety. And there are certain processes that I have to go through. And what I've learned is that those processes are important to me. I will always, I won't hold back from having a conversation and talking about it the way I feel with you know the parent or the person that's going to be looking after him at the party and I think that talking piece as we've said is is really really important. So with all that in mind Lucinda is there anything that you found that's really helpful for you to manage that anxiety? Yes. So I think as well as having my the general sort of anxiety about my son's allergy, you know, I think that does trigger just the general, you know, sort of high functioning anxiety. And one of the things that I really find that helps is is mindfulness or meditation and really simple terms. I mean, you know, some of our listeners may have tried this out. Some people may have also found out it works for them that, you know, they're quite common terms now, um, but not not everybody will know everything about them. And I think the key for me actually is whether it's mindfulness or meditation, it's about slowing down. So it's about finding the space in your day to think about what's important to you. So for me, a really good example is I really try not to I I work at home and have always worked at home in uh, anyway sort of the last five years but I really try not to finish work at five o'clock and then run out the door to go and pick up my children even though my daughter pleads me to she said the same thing to me this morning mommy as soon as you finished work you must come and pick me up and then of course obviously we feel really guilty about it but what I try to do is I finish work at, at five or the time that I finish work and then I will spend 15 minutes I will give myself 15 minutes sometimes it might be to do some housework but sometimes it might also just be to have a glass of water, to make a cup of tea, to think about what I want to do with the children when they come back in. So that when I do pick them up, all of my intentions around being positive and a good parent and, and essentially sort of leaving work behind and really being able to focus on the children, I'm able to do that. I know from my experience coaching parents over the last couple of years, you were talking earlier on about that blurring between work and home and particularly when you're doing all of this stuff, you know, it's intense to be doing yeah. all of this under the same roof recognizing the different roles that we play in a day or even in the space of half an hour sometimes is really important and focusing on okay so I'm in the role of mum at the moment what's important to me about that role how do I want to be with my children and then maybe stepping away and saying okay I'm starting work now how do I want to be in this role and then there's a really crucial bit about well actually how do you find the space to be yourself 
you know, yeah. when you're not being a mum and you're not being a parent. And there's a brilliant uh, TED talk by a guy who I love. He's a coach in Australia, Adam, who talks about the third space. And I know you've got some sort of experiences of this idea of, of stopping and pausing as well. But for me, that's how I've started, started to, to manage my anxiety. What about you? Tell us, tell us what, do, what do you do? You know, it's been quite an uncomfortable experience for me to embrace certain aspects that, you know, I wouldn't routinely do. So one thing that really has always worked for me is exercise. And we know that exercise has got a, a hugely important role to play in mental well-being and, of course, physical well-being. But more recently, I've had to, you know, I felt the need to explore different options. And what I would say is that hasn't always been comfortable for me to immediately adopt these practices because they felt unusual to me they were new and I think that sometimes we have barriers that we've put up to say you know what that's not for me I'm not going to do that and you think actually I'm going to try and embrace something new so a lot of the work that I've been trying to do to manage overwhelm for example is breath work and you know that fits nicely with mindfulness and meditation but it really also brings you into the moment, into the present and focusing on your breath. And actually, we know that physiologically, uh, which is great because it appeals to my scientific mind, is, um, is that it does slow down your heart rate. It slows down your, your breathing. It actually works on the parasympathetic nervous system to activate that, which actually slows things down. And actually, you know, if you really are getting into a state of overwhelm and, you know, I can't cope, I can't think of the answer, then taking that moment to breathe is going to help you with clarity and get you back into being a productive mom or productive parent, productive at work, at what you're doing at work quicker than if you were just to, you know, let it all just fizzle out. So putting some steps in place for me is what's been helpful. And certainly exercise again, it's bit, it's a it's a really important part of my life that allows me to to feel good. Uh, we we talk about endorphins, we talk about some of the hormonal changes um that, that happen when you exercise. And it certainly is a really important piece for most people. And I would encourage anyone to exercise of course because of the cardiovascular and long term effects. And the exercise can bring but it doesn't have to be 5k does it it could just no. be a 10 minute walk out, out outside in the exactly. sunshine I think yeah is, is really important outside um, is important yeah outside in the sunshine or 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 the rain but yeah getting getting those senses going one thing I've been trying recently actually which I'll share with you and it's not for everybody is cold showers mm. I thought I would experiment and I think that I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'll know more about the, the sort of the reasons why it works. But I actually have started really enjoying it sort of 30 seconds at the end of my shower, because it does it sort of brings me into that present of the day. And now what am I going to go and do? So yeah, not not for everybody. But I think the message that we're trying to get across here is that, that there are lots of ways in which you yeah. can start to manage your own anxiety. And it's about, you know, finding something that works for you, but also finding something that you know, it, it, as you say, I think that's really lovely. It's not necessarily going to change overnight. But these little sort of habits that you might be able to create that start to make you feel a bit bit better. Definitely. And I think what's also really important is to remember that you can allow yourself to do these things and you find your way and you might not necessarily love the first thing you're doing. One is it's really good to obviously give things a chance to work and see you give them the the best um, possible chance of working um so not to give up on things straight away but allowing yourself 
that time. Um, and I love that, you know, you spend that time at the end of your working day, which helps you separate the, the two roles that may be conflicting for you. And, and that's okay. And to give yourself that permission to take that pause and take that step back, because you know, actually, in the long term, it's going to help you fulfill your, your different roles. It's going to help you be more fulfilled in your working role and more fulfilled as a parent, because we are constantly distracted by all of the different multimedia channels that we have, our phones, our emails still pinging, we're getting a WhatsApp message, we want to quickly check Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn or whichever channels you're using. And we're thinking, potentially we're thinking about, oh, I've got a deadline, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. What's going to happen if my kids don't go to bed on time, I'm going to start working again and I'm not going to have time. Like constantly distracted. One, that means it's a less fulfilling experience for us in both of those roles. But two, it means that we we then forget about ourselves. We, we've forgotten that we need some time for us as well. And that's going to help us. So you know, thinking about the power of the pause and also recognizing anxiety. And rec- you know, one of the things I really like to talk about is recognizing that what the anxiety means to you. How does it manifest? And with that recognition, we can reduce some of the fear we have about the anxiety. So mm. we talk about anxious about being anxious. You know, you're thinking, I'm anxious that I'm going to have a panic attack because yeah. um, of whatever situation it is. Then that perpetuates into the avoidance scenario. But recognizing that this is anxiety, recognizing that there's potentially a way out if you're experiencing acute, you know, immediate overwhelm or panic attack. And then thinking about the steps you can put in place in your life. I want to talk quickly about this power of the pause because it was such an important message to me. And we'll talk also about role modeling. So we're role modeling as parents, we're role modeling in our teams in the workplace, also role modeling that, you know, we aren't necessarily the perfect parent and employee and manager and friend and colleague that actually it's okay to be slightly less than perfect. That's all right. But I had this experience when I was training um, as a doctor, I was in my first year after qualifying, so I was very green, very new, and I was in an operation assisting a consultant surgeon. It was an emergency surgery. The patient was unwell. The patient was bleeding a lot. There were things in the operation that were not going right, and what should have been a four-hour operation turned into an eight-hour hour operation. But what I saw was that when things were not going right, and he tried everything he possibly could, and things were not progressing in the surgery, he said, I'm going out for a minute. In fact, it was 15 minutes. Of course, he didn't leave the patient unstable. Everything was okay at that point. There, there was me standing there, green and, and not being able to do anything. But And the anaesthetist, of course, the, the other doctor in the room. He said, I, I'm going to leave this theatre um, for a minute. So he stepped out. He actually went, he had a quick shower. He changed his clothes. He had a coffee. And he came in after 15 minutes. He was refreshed. And he had a completely new thought process and way of tackling the issue. And it worked and the patient survived. And, you know, just us recognizing that we can't do it all to 100% perfection. We, you know, we, we have to leave space in our day or space in our working day to actually take that pause and reflect and do something else because that will give us energy and clarity and increase our productivity. And what something that I think as a parent we often feel is that we've got to rush, rush, rush. We've got to do all of it mm-hmm. so we can get to the, the school pickup and then we can get to the, the ballet class and we can get, get them to do their reading and their homework and put them to bed and then we can do more work. And there's no space for that power of the pause in our lives, which we really need. 
I just wanted to pick up on the role modeling piece. And I think for me, that is it's it's crucial in a way, you know, particularly when we're talking about parental anxiety, because what we're really talking about here is, you know, we know as parents and as we've discussed that there are lots of reasons why we experience anxiety. And actually some of our anxiety, you know, as I shared, might be about our children and some of our, you know, some of our listeners may be experiencing parental anxiety because their children are experiencing anxiety. Yeah. And we yeah. know that there are so many more children and teenagers who are experiencing anxiety and and then it becomes part of the family doesn't it and it's mm. difficult then as a parent to think about well actually what can I do to help my child that is managing my own anxiety and their anxiety at the same time so it doesn't become this sort of you know sort of self-perpetuating uh, sort of vicious circle and obviously um, there are lots of ways you know and lots of areas that you can go and seek help but yeah. I think the role modeling thing is important to recognize isn't it so that if your child can see how you deal with your anxiety then they in turn from a very early age as we know children learn from their parents they in turn can see how they might deal with with stressful situations yeah. and that reminder that you know for our children we need to remind them you know it's okay to feel nervous or anxious and how how might you deal with it your example of the power of the pause I think is a great one and I'll very briefly share with you an, an acronym that I quite often use that I think you can use as parents but also with your children as well and it brings that kind of idea of mindfulness and, and pausing together so it uh, the it, it's stop is the word and the s is the stop so the s stands for stop and what that really means is just stop Stop what you're doing you know if you're at a computer step away from it if you're on your phone step away from it just just stop what you're doing the t is take a breath and you talked about breath work earlier on but so important for just calming calming the you know the nervous system down and the heart rate and kind of feeling a little bit more in control i think so big few kind of you know lungfuls of air are really important and then the O stands for observe and that's really about noticing what you're feeling um, both physically and emotionally is the emotion you're feeling anger is it frustration because you know they it can be a number of different things that we might be feeling or is there something physical going on is something hurting quite often as parents we you know maybe we don't go to the loo and then you know we don't do that for three hours then that's the physical <laughs> stress that we're feeling or we might not have eaten or you know drunk enough that day so also noticing those things I think and then the P stands for uh, what's the positive step forward you know what's the next thing that is going to be a positive thing for you to do I think you know we've all had experience as parents where we've you know maybe been going to get a bit cross with our children and actually yeah. being able to take ourselves out of that situation and then go back in and think about how we might want to positively handle it so it's just a sort of extension of that really so it's stop and um, using that to help you manage any feelings of anxiety I think can be really really helpful that's great, Lucinda. I think it's really important for people just to have a little process that they can go through. And, and what I would say as well is as a family, as a, as a unit, is to come together to talk about, first of all, yes, normalise it, you know. And my daughter told me, you know, she was a bit nervous to go to school, certain things about, you know, her anxiety. And I think one is important to, to use the language in your conversations and allow your child to develop that emotional intelligence and that they can use that language if they're feeling that way and you know where you talked about naming naming that emotion you name try you know, trying to help your child to navigate what is the emotion you're experiencing is it anger is it frustration is it feeling sad um is it feeling overwhelmed and 
you know, as they get older, they will hopefully be able to use some of that language. And that's really important, mm. especially as they become teenagers, that they can use that expressive language. And that can be a way that they can process that emotion. And um, there may be other things you need to do at the time. And to really also think about doing, for example, mindfulness exercises or, or breath work exercises as a family. Look, you know, if and not to feel that, okay, look, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I'm going to have to step out of the room to do my breath. Or actually say, look, this is what I'm going to do now to, to hopefully help me feel a bit better. And then your child will see that's potentially a solution that they can use. And actually, you know, we're seeing so much more mental health in teenagers and children at the moment, as you said, and mental health problems. And actually, you know, being able to role model what you do can help them to process and make it feel normal. And we know that with panic attacks, one of the really good ways to try and, you know, relieve that panic, relieve that anxiety is the breath work. So breathing in for four and breathing out for five, you know, or doing box breathing, so square breathing, lots of different techniques that you can use, but do it together, mm. you know, and, and, and there, we talked about, you know, escalation of, of emotions, but actually there may be things you can do together to prevent that emotion escalating to a full, you know, red zone, try and keep it in the amber and bring it back to green, We're looking at traffic light model. But you know, there are things that you can do with your child that can both role model and help them to manage their emotions. And, you know, emotional literacy is so important for children, you know, that they're saying that, you know, as in schools, that, you know, this is a really important part of the curriculum that they should be teaching children as well as all the academics. Yeah. It's going to help them to navigate the world and some of the struggles that we're potentially living in um, at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. That it, that idea of naming naming your emotions is so important, isn't it? Absolutely. Should we talk a little bit about what clients can do to support parents who might be feeling anxious or experiencing problems with anxiety? Yes, absolutely. And look, you know, I think the first thing as an employer or as a as a manager, as a colleague, um, somebody in the organisation who's you know, looking out for other people, uh, and we hope that everybody is anyway, but. I think the first thing, again, is to recognise everybody has had a unique experience in the pandemic and parents have had a difficult time as a group and that there are specific issues around, for example, separation anxiety, um, starting new roles, complexity of your routines. As I said before, change is not something that we naturally always love as human beings. We, we might be daunted by that. So just recognising that there is different experiences and there may be added pressures, added anxieties. I was watching uh, something recently where I really resonated with it. You know, it was that, you know, how how many times do you text your partner, you know, towards the end of the day as to, you know, when are you coming home? What time can you get home? How many more minutes is it going to be until you can come back into that family unit, you know, if you if you are in a relationship? And, you know, I think recognising that there are there are pressures now, when people are going back into the hybrid model, that may, be, may feel uncomfortable. Having that conversation as, as a manager or as an employer um, to find out what are you struggling with? You know, everybody's struggling. I think it's okay to use that terminology. You know, what are you finding difficult? Really have those conversations and use open questions to try and find out what's going on for people. That may be temporary or it may be a bit more long term. It may be, you know, I'll come back to what I said right at the beginning, that parents may be in a 
in a sandwich of of caring responsibility and it may be also that pressures are arising from you know are you looking after an older adult or somebody with disabilities um, that's also putting additional pressure on how you spend your time so finding out what people need I think is a really important part and thinking about what the organization can do if anything it may not be that the organization has the solution there may be some things that can be done for example to working patterns or days that you're going in there may be external support that people can be signposted to or just by having the conversation people may be empowered to seek external support as well. I quite often talk about when I'm coaching managers, I quite often talk about having a toolkit in in place. So, you know, as a manager or, you know, someone who's, you know, looking after people, what have you got in your toolkit that's going to help you? So things like, you know, sort of knowing how to respond to someone who may come to you with an issue around anxiety. It's about acknowledgement, about, you know, acknowledging that they're experiencing somewhat something that's difficult. And acknowledging, I think, is really important that, you know, everybody brings their own layers of identity to that as well. There's going to be some people who find that really difficult or more difficult than others for various different reasons. And then, you know, as a manager thinking about, well, am I am I the right person for them to be talking to? What do I do with this information? Knowing that you don't have to have all the answers, but where can you add additional support? So is it through an EAP if you have one? Is it through occupational health? And also continuing to support that person by you know, consistently providing the safe spaces, I think, to have those conversations so that they can be heard on an ongoing basis is is really important. So anything else do you think, Laura, that, that employers can do? I think I think one of the issues, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, Lucinda, is it's hard to create those safe spaces in the workplace because typically there's this conflict that Uh, And it again goes back to that good enough sort of role that we're trying to achieve in all aspects of our lives and we're trying to excel at, you know, is if we talk to our manager or somebody about, you know, something that's difficult for us at home or maybe perceived as a conflict, you know, are we going to be judged or are we going to be uh, perceived as weak or not good enough or, you know, dismissed for the next next promotion or the Mm. next opportunity? How can we try and create that right the right space for these conversations to happen without judgment and fear for both parties I think it's a really lovely point and um, there's a I know a, a subject that you know you and I are both fond of talking about when it comes to how do you create safe spaces and that is role modeling vulnerability I think is is really important to do that. Everybody has had a difficult time, you know, to to one uh, end or another over the last couple of years. And in life, everybody has different challenges and different things that they're dealing with. I think as a manager or a leader, if you can show some of the vulnerability that that feels comfortable to you, but that is ultimately going to make you seem more authentic and more approachable to your staff, that can really help encourage people to maybe then share some of the things that they are having challenges with and encourage open conversations. And I think it can be done on a one-to-one level, but it can also be really nicely done on a team level as well. You know, encouraging people to share on a team level about the different challenges that people might be facing and how how can, as a, a group of people, a group of humans, how can you how can you support each other? It's really about acknowledging that people have a life outside of work, isn't it? And that, you know, they are so intertwined, particularly for working 
parents, though, juggling, consistent juggling of that priorities can be hugely overwhelming. How can you acknowledge that and allow them to to talk about that if they need to within the workplace? Yes. And I think, you know, it's also very useful to have things like networks for for parents to come together uh, and, and seek peer-to-peer support and have those conversations. But when we think about networks, to not think of them in silo, to really make sure that there is that additional team support, that it's not just thought of as, okay, go to the parents' network and they'll sort it out for you. Actually, you know, peer-to-peer support is great, but it's also important that on a day-to-day basis, there are these conversations happening and the acknowledgement um, and then the additional layers can be put in place as well. Yeah, and I think the other thing I would just add that I can sometimes be a bit of a challenge is mm-hmm. trying to remove any assumptions. We talk a lot about assumptions when I'm working with managers and really important to say that, you know, neurologically, our brains are trained to make assumptions for us. We shouldn't judge ourselves for any assumptions that we might be making, but it can be, you know, an easy assumption to make that just because someone is suffering from anxiety as a working parent, that their needs and challenges are the same as someone else. Yeah. And just making sure that you know you're exploring it in a way that is appropriate to the individual I think from a support basis and also when you're having a conversation is really really important so I think that's all we've got time for today it's been a great conversation as always thank you so much Laura for all your insight you've brought to the podcast today and to you Lucinda it's been really great working with you on this thanks everybody for listening and Just to let everyone know, we've got two other podcasts running, which are on menopause and perimenopause and also on perinatal mental health. So we look forward to you tuning in for those as well. Absolutely. And thank you so much for listening today. Thank you for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by Talking Talent. We're a coaching organization that helps you develop, advance and retain your talent. Together, we can create a more inclusive culture where your people and your organization can thrive. You can visit us online at talking-talent.com. That's talking-talent.com. If you liked what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you.